discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for grace. Thank you that as we go through these scriptures, through your word, we are educated. We are taught by your precious Holy Spirit, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm teaching on the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. Okay. Let's start from Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 8. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 8. The first principles of the doctrine of Christ. The first principles of the doctrine of Christ. He says, though he were a son, yet lend he obedience by the things which he suffered. He's talking about Jesus. He says, though Jesus was a son, he yet lend he obedience by the things which he suffered. Next verse. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. He's the author of what? Eternal salvation. He's the author. He's the beginner of eternal salvation. That is why when you become born again, you are saved. And you are, the salvation is eternal. He says he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Have you obeyed him? So the salvation that's given to you is eternal in nature. And that is of the spirit. Okay? Of course, there's solical salvation. I've taught you so many times. And then there's the salvation of the body. As well, these are the three key uh, types of salvation we have in the Bible. There are four more, but these are the three key ones. Eternal salvation, that is the salvation of the spirit. Then solical salvation, which is the salvation of the soul or the mind. And then bodily salvation, which is the salvation of the body. Eternal salvation happens to the spirit at once. When you receive Christ, when you believe in Christ as a son of God and confess his lordship over your life and believe that he really did die and rose from the dead on the third day. If you believe that and you confess with your mouth, the Bible says that with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. The key is believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. You can't just believe with your heart. You must believe with your heart and also confess with your mouth. The truth is what catapults you. One leads you to righteousness. The other one leads you into salvation. I seeing it. It's very important. Don't let anybody deceive you. That the confession of Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior or Jesus as... Uh, uh, it says confess Jesus as Lord. Huh? It's very important. Then, that, so that is instant. At once you become born again. Then, there's a solical salvation, which is for a long time, as long as you live. Okay? That is why we go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every other day, so that our souls can be saved, so that we can hear the word of God for the renewing of our minds. And the rich to which, or the degree to which your soul is saved, is what determines the kind of salvation you get in your body. There's the salvation of the body. There's a day coming when our bodies shall be changed, shall be changed from being this way. Okay? Death doomed, decay doomed into a glorified body. 
There's a day coming like that. So the salvation of the body is on a certain day. The day when Christ comes with his saints in the air. The Bible says that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This in, a, in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, then he says, we shall be changed. I sing it. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 52. This is not my message. I'm just trying to introduce some things to you. He says, in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We shall be transformed. He's talking about the body. We shall be changed. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Look at Philippians 3, 20. For our conversation, or our living, our life is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, who shall change, verse 21, who shall change our vile body? You see, he's talking about the body. He shall change our vile body. Vile means death doomed, decay doomed. Okay, no matter what you do, this body will have to decay. As you grow, you realize that your beauty is reducing. Have you realized that your beauty reduces as you grow? Yeah, but it's not supposed to be like that. Okay, so this body will be saved on a certain day. All of us will be renewed. If you died at age 90, on the resurrection, you receive the body of a 33-year-old. Yeah, because you must come to the fullness of the stature of, of the measure of Christ. And Christ died at age 33. Christ died in the, in, uh, in the summit of his youth. 33, very young. So everybody in heaven is young. 33. Nobody crosses that. But you can have some with gray hair and all kinds. Of, they are 33, but they have gray hair. You see their ancientness through their eyes and through their hair. The hair represents ancientness. Hallelujah. Yeah, so we'll all be on that level. Okay? It says, we shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Like unto his glorious body. That's what I'm saying. We'll have the same stature. If a child died at age five, he will have the same stature. Okay? So that is on a certain day. So Christ is the author of eternal salvation. Go back to Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter five, right? Okay, let me show it to you. And being made, it says, being made perfect by the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him. Next verse. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. It says, Christ is called of God after the order of Melchizedek. Of whom we have many things to say. Concerning this Melchizedek, we have many things to say. And hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. He had dull of hearing. Paul was writing to the Hebrews and he, he said, I want to talk about Melchizedek, but because you are dull of hearing, I can't talk about Melchizedek. Okay, I can't talk about Melchizedek. I can't say what I want to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One thing about the Melchizedek priesthood is that the Melchizedek priesthood is different from the Aaronic priesthood. They are of different orders. Okay, the Aaronic priesthood sacrifices uh, goats, bulls, bullocks, ox. There's blood. Blood and meat is what is used as sacrifice. But the Melchizedek priesthood sacrifices wine and bread. <laughs> it's not the same. What they said is wine and bread. So when Abraham met Melchizedek, he gave him bread and wine. And when Christ also came, he gave bread and wine. He didn't kill any bullock at any point. So Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. You see, another thing about the Melchizedek priesthood is that they don't, it says Melchizedek does not have father or mother. It doesn't mean that he was not born. He was born. However, his priesthood is not after, it's not because his father was a priest or his mother was a priest. The Levitical priesthood was by family. The tribe of Levi was chosen and anybody who was born 
okay, in the tribe of Levi, automatically became a priest. But the Melchizedek priesthood is not like that. The Melchizedek priesthood has nothing to do with mother or father. That is what the Bible says, that who having not mother nor father, doesn't mean that he was not born. He was born. He was a man that lived, that everybody knew. Same way, Christ's priesthood does not come from his mother or his father. Christ, Christ is from the tribe of Judah. He's not supposed to be a priest, but then he's made a priest. Are you seeing it? So it is not from mother or father. There are so many things that Paul wanted to tell them, like I'm telling you now. But he couldn't tell them. He says, because you have dull of hearing. You have dull of hearing. Your maturity has a problem. There's something with your growth. You see, the, the church is a school. Church is not a place where you sit down, hear the word, and go away. No, church is a school. You are trained. You are raised. I see it. You must be raised by the word of God. The word of God must raise you. You must be raised with a certain curriculum. Raised from one point to the other. That is why Paul said that the things that I've taught you, the same, commit thou unto faithful men who shall be able to teach others. There are things that we teach that must be committed to people. Okay? Yeah. So if you enter church, the day you come into church, from that day onwards, you must be taken through a particular course. You must be taken through a particular uh, course outline. Just like when you go to school, you go to university first year, or you go to secondary school first year, and then after three years, they graduate when you get out of the school, isn't it? Same with church. In church too, you must be graduated at the point. We are not saying graduate out of the church into another church. That's not what we are talking about. We are talking about getting to a place where you are matured enough that we can send you forth to do ministry as well. It wasn't the pastors who were doing ministry in those times. Look at Acts chapter 8. Let me show you something. Acts chapter 8. Let's read from verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3. Then we read Acts chapter 11 as well. Okay? Can I show you these things? It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. He was consenting unto the death of Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. Everybody was scattered. Everybody in the church, there was great persecution against the church. And everybody in the church was scattered abroad. All the church members were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Only the apostles were staying still at Jerusalem. Every other person left. Look at the next verse. And devout men came Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Next verse, verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, commended them to prison. Verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, read the rest. One, two, go. Read it. Let's read it from top. One to go. They went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. Why? Because they knew the word. They knew it. They had been trained. They had been raised. So they had the information. They knew what to say and what to do. They even preached the point that they, they started a church in Antioch. The church at Antioch was not started by a bishop. It was started by church members. That's in Acts chapter 11. But also as they moved, they got to a certain place called Antioch, and then they stayed there. They were preaching to everybody uh, who was a Jew, apart from, uh, if you are not a Jew, they don't preach to you. They were preaching to only Jews. Okay, look for it. Acts chapter 11, verse what? 19. Okay, so go to verse 19. Are you seeing this? Can I read it to you now? It says, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen. You remember these people? I just read to you in Acts chapter 8. Same group of people. He says, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch. Doing what? Preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. They were preaching. 
It's only in a time where children of God don't want to preach. It's as though they have to just come to church and go away. And hear, bless me, bless me, bless me. But there's a problem. If these people did that, we wouldn't have had the gospel. It was because these people moved. That is how come in Acts chapter 8, Philip was part of those who left the church at Jerusalem. When he was going, he went to Samaria, preached there, great revival took place. Then God told him to go and stand somewhere and wait for a certain man called the Ethiopian Enoch. It was through the Ethiopian Enoch that the word of God came to Africa. The word of God came to Africa through the Ethiopian Enoch. How, was, how did the Ethiopian Enoch receive the word? He received the word because someone called Philip, who was not a pastor, who was a brother in the church, a deacon in the church, moved and said something, preached to somebody and led the person to Christ. So the work of God will not be done. Ministry will not be accomplished if you and I don't do something about it. So you must, you must learn. You must learn the scriptures. You have to. It's important because on the, on the day of Christ, on the day that the Lord shows up, he will ask you questions concerning people you are supposed to preach to. People you were assigned to that you didn't say anything to. All because you didn't know what you were supposed to say. Because when you're sitting in church and you were saying it, you were either sleeping, your mind was not here, or you weren't interested. Or you were absent. It's very important, okay? So church is a school. Say church is a school. Say it again. Church is a school. It's a training grounds. We must be trained. Hallelujah. Go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter chapter what? Chapter 5, right? It says, often we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Seeing you are dull of hearing. You are dull of hearing. You can't understand what we are going to say. He had preached these things to them already. But when he was trying to call it to remembrance, they couldn't remember. He had preached. He was expecting them to have gotten to a certain level. Look at the next verse. He says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers. For when for the time you ought to be teachers. Time is the element for checking the maturity of a Christian. With time, you must mature as a Christian. Time. He says, for when for the, you've been in the church for three years. You've been in the church for four years. You've been in the, not if not this church, you have been exposed to the word of God probably for 10 years in your life. Probably for 10 years. He says, for when for the time, he was expecting that at this juncture in your life, as a Christian, you should be a teacher, you should be teaching others. You should have the word of God that you teach and be able to commit it to others. But you, you, you can't do that. He says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need. It's a need in your life. You have need that one teach you again. You have need that one teach you again. Which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Next verse. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he's a babe. He's a babe. The word babe is nepuse. And nepuse is a child who is refusing to grow. And Nepius is, is a big man who still wears pampas. And Nepius is a big woman who still wooes on herself. And Nepius is, is a big woman who continuously wants to feed on breast milk. Just imagine if you gave birth. Or just imagine if your big brother is still drinking breast milk. And still uh, poo-pooing on himself. Who will remove that, that poo-poo? 
No, who is still wearing diapers and when he propose, they need to remove it. Who will remove it? Who? He has pubic hair all over. Yet someone has to remove his diapers. I mean, you see how upset it is, naturally speaking. But spiritually speaking, it is very common. It is very, very common, naturally speaking. Naturally speaking. Verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. He is a babe. See, he is a babe. There's a time when you have to be a child, when you are born. Our born again experience is uh, something that starts with us being children in God. Okay? You start out as a child. But after starting as a child, you are expected to grow. There's a difference between birth and birthright. There's a difference between birth and birthright. There's a difference between being a son and sonship. Okay? There's a difference between regeneration and resurrection. They are not the same. We are born as children of God, but we are expected to grow into sonship. That is our, that is our maturity. So we are born again to grow in the Lord. We are not born again to stay where we are. There are processes for our maturity. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes, the word babes there is breforce. That's a Greek word, breforce. It means a freshly born baby. The word newborn also means freshly born baby. Okay, to be born fresh, you just came. As newborn babes, it says, desire the sincere milk of the word. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That you may grow thereby. When you are born again, you are, you are, a new spirit is given to you. Now, that spirit needs to get a leeway through your spirit, through your heart, through your soul, into your body and into your environment. The process of allowing your spirit to have dominion over your life and moving Christ from your spirit into your heart is the process of growth that we go through. The process of putting the word of God into your heart for your spirit to be able to have leeway is our growth process. So we are born again fresh, like we don't know anything. And the first thing that we are given is the milk of God's word. We are newborn babes. We says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That is fresh. Then you are expected to grow through some process, grow through the word. As you hear the word, you grow from one level to the other. You grow, you grow. There are various processes. There's the Technion stage. There's the Nianisco stage. There's the Pideon stage. The Pideon stage comes just after Breforce. I will teach you all of that some, 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 maybe some few months from now. Okay? There are stages of growth that we go through. You grow on to, you get to a stage called the Pater stage. Where you become a father in the Lord. You are a father. Look at 1 John chapter 2 verse 13. 1 John 2 13. I write unto you fathers. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? I write unto you what? Fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. You have had intimacy, knowledge of him that is from the beginning. You know God. You get to a point where you know God. You really know God. You can be a child of God and not know God. You don't even care about God. Have you ever experienced it before? You don't even care about God. You are born again. You are a child of God. You are in church, but you don't care about God. You don't like God. You don't think about God during the day. You don't think, you don't think about anything. It shows your stage. It shows your level. It's only when you have problems that you remember God. 
expand. You are part of. There's a certain stage you are on. When you are not growing as you are supposed to, sometimes you grow to a point that you are not going forward anymore. At any moment in time of your growth where you are not growing as you are supposed to, you are called an abuse. Look at Galatians 4.1. Galatians 4.1. That one says that the heir, as long as he is a child. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, as long as like he's not growing, as long as he's a child, different nothing from a servant. Even though he's the Lord of all, you have to grow. There's a certain advert on TV in Kumasi that says, I refuse to grow. They were, they were advertising kids' stuff. It's a kids' shop. And they will say, I refuse to grow. Don't say that for your spiritual life. You must grow. Say, I must grow. grow. Say it again, I must grow. grow. You're expected to grow, okay? Now, go back to Hebrews chapter 5, where we're reading. Let's read verse 12. Hebrews 5, 12. It says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that wanted you again, which be the first principles. Hmm? First word, first, the word first, the Greek word for first is ake, A-R-C-H-E, ake, A-R-C-H-E, with an apostrophe on top. What it means is that it means the beginning, okay? It means the beginning. Say beginning. Say it again, beginning. So what it's saying is that you are supposed to be teachers by now, you are supposed to be teaching the word by now, but right now we have to teach you again the beginning. Beginning of what? He says the first principles. The word principles is stoichion. Stoichion is spelled S-T-O-I-C-H-E-I-O-N. 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 Stoichion. And it means the first thing from which others arise. The first thing from which other things arise. Okay? The first thing from which other things arise. And an example is like the alphabet. Like the alphabet. If, if you don't know A, if you don't know A, you can't go to B. A is the first from which all the others arise. It's like numerology. It's like numbers. If you don't know one, you can't know two. Because you need to combine two ones to get two. Isn't it? Uh So he's saying that you have need that I teach you again the beginning, okay, of the first things which from which arises the the knowledge of Christ. In other words, I have to teach you the ABCs of Christ. The alpha and the alphabet of Christ. He says you need you need it. I have to teach you again. Meaning that Christ has, there's a language that Christ has, or there's a diction, a doctrine that Christ has, that we must learn. Okay? And we are going to learn it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But before I get there, I want to show you some other things. Okay? He says, you have need that I teach you once again, the what? The first principles of the oracles of Christ. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. I've, I've explained what first means, and I've explained what principles mean, isn't it? Now, the next thing to explain is oracles. Okay, what is oracle? An oracle 
The word oracle is logion, L-O-G-I-O-N. It means utterances of God. The utterances of God, the speech of God, or the doctrine of God. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles, the beginning of the things from which the utterances of God arise from. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And you have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Not of strong meat. You, you, even though you are matured, physically speaking, you still need us to go back to the principles again. We are going to do it now. Okay? Now, go to the next verse, verse 13. Look at verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. The word of righteousness is the, is the whole of the word of God. The word of righteousness is God's inability to sit down for man to, to go astray. So he steps into man's case to do something about man. Okay? That's the whole, the, the whole of the Bible is called the word of righteousness. It says you're unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he's a, he's a babe. Next verse, verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. The word full age is teleos. Okay? Teleos. T-E-L-O-L-E-O-I-S. Hmm? T-E-L-E-O-I-S. Teleos or teleosis. T-E-L-E-O-I-S. You can add I, another I-S to it. So it becomes teleosis. It's the same thing. And it means full age. It means to come to maturity. It means to come to perfection. It means to come to completion. It says, but strong me belonging to them that are full age. That's where God is expecting you to get to. God is expecting you to get to full age. Full age. The word teleosis is the, word, the same word from which we get the word telescope. That is where we get the word telegram. Same place where you get the word television. Same place where you get the word telephone. Okay? What is, what is a telegram? Telegram is receiving words from a very far away place. They are writing a thing from here, but you can receive it in Accra. Through a telegram, you can have that. Telegram is what has advanced to become WhatsApp and the, tele, the, the, the software, the, whatever, the app called Gmail, Telegram, Telegram, all those things are from, the basis is Telegram. Some years ago, they used to have Telegram. That's what they, 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 they had. You just type something and it goes. And the other person receives very far away. Okay? Television. What is television? Television means to see from afar. You are here. They are acting a thing somewhere, but you can see it. It's the same as telescope. Telescope, you are here, but you can see what is happening in the heavens. All means to see from afar, to hear from afar, to see from afar, to receive from afar. So, to mature unto perfection, or to be a teleos, is to come to the place where, even though you are here on earth, you are living the life that is in heaven. You are not in heaven, physically speaking, but the expressions you have is the expression of heaven, even though you are here on earth. So, from afar, you, you have the atmosphere of God here. You have the atmosphere of heaven here. You have the knowledge of heaven here. You have the ability of heaven here. Right? And that's what God wants us to get to. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Then he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Then he says, so we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. The word perfect man is the same word for full age. 
teleos, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God is expecting us to get to the same stature. A two-year-old does not have the stature of a 33-year-old. I see it. That two-year-old must grow to get the same stature as a 33-year-old. So God is saying that we must grow to get the stature of Christ. Get the fullness of Christ. Get to the full, the same measure as Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. It says, strong means belonging to them who are of full age. Why are they of full age? How did they get there? Go, to the, go, to, go back to the place. Hebrews chapter 5. It says, but strong means belonging to them. This is verse 14 now. But strong means belonging to them who are of full age. Even those who by reason of use. By reason of use. The word use is habit. By reason of habit. Hmm? By reason of habit. The, the Greek word is helix. Or hexis rather. H-E-X-I-S. H-E-X. X for xylophone. I-S. S for scale. And it means a habit. It means a power acquired by custom or practice. So he says that to get to full maturity, you must have a certain type of habit. I see it. You must have a certain type of habit. You must have a habit of reading the word. You must have a habit of praying. They have developed to have these things as their habits. They have a habit of fasting. They have cultivated it through practice. They have acquired a certain power through practice. That's, that's, what, that's what it means to grow in the Lord. Where these things become your, your, your habit. Coming to church is not something that you think about. It's something you do. The Bible says that as the manner of Jesus was, he always, and it was his manner, it was his habit to go into the temple, to go into the synagogue. It was his, it was his habit. So if you're a Christian and you are, it's not your habit to enter and go to church every Sunday, go to church every midweek. There's something wrong. It means that you are on a certain level. Who by reason of use, by reason of use, use, say use. use. Yeah, use, just by use. Habits, practice. By reason of, they've practiced to speak in tongues for one hour. They've practiced it. They've decided that I'm going to speak in tongues for 30 minutes. Then they moved it to one hour. Then they moved it to two hours. Then they moved it to three hours. Now they can pray for six hours and be happy in their prayer. Practice. They've practiced. They've developed the habit of reading the Bible frequently. So every morning, it's not, it's not something under question. It's not something under examination. Whether, oh, are we going to read our Bible this morning? No, they read it. It's, it's part of their lives by reason of use. Have their senses. He's not talking about the physical senses. This word is used here only once in the Bible. The, the whole Bible. The word for senses here is used just once here. And it means your spiritual senses. Or your perception. Your ability to perceive. Okay? He says, they are, they, by reason of use, who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Exercised. The word exercised, the Greek word is gymnazo. Gymnazo, G-U-M-N-A-Z-O. Gymnazo, G-U-M-N-A-Z-O, isn't it? Gymnazo or gymnazo, whatever you want to call it. And it's the word from which gymnasium is produced. From that word, you have the word gymnasium. You do what it means to go to the gym. What do you do when you go to the gym? You are going to exercise, you are going to practice, you are going to train. I say it. He says that by reason of use, they have their senses. They are discernment prowess. They are their perception prowess exercise. Their spiritual senses is exercised, is trained, has been to the gym. They go to the gym every morning. 
They go to the spiritual gym every morning. They have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. To discern both good and evil. Because good and evil are actually one. What, what was the name of the fruit that Adam partook of in the Garden of Eden? The fruit of the knowledge of? The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Meaning that one fruit contained both good and evil. And when he partook of it, God was angry. Is God not supposed to be happy that he has partaken of good? Isn't it? He's supposed to be happy that he has partaken of good. Because God is good. But it is one. You can be doing something that is good, but it is very evil in the eyes of God. There are blocks on the internet concerning how good sex is. And what uh, sex does to the human body. Very good things. Now, if an unmarried man is having sex, is it good or bad? But is the process not good for his body? According to the things that they have said. It's good, eh? But it is not good. It is bad. So good and bad are fused together in one thing. One act is good, yet it is bad. Are you seeing it? So there are things you do, good things, but actually it's not, it's, to God it's not good. It is good in your eyes, but to God it is not good at all. You can stretch it into ethics. In some places, when you punch your ears as a guy, or even as a lady, you have seven earrings all around your ears. There's nothing wrong, it's normal. It's a good thing to do. It has a good interpretation there. Come down here and do that and you see that it is not good at all. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Everybody will be looking at you some way. You need to master courage to be able to continue without thinking about anybody. Yeah. So even though it is good in a certain place, it is bad in another place. It's very, very relative. So good and bad is not, it's the same. But these people have exercised their spiritual senses to be able to discern both good and bad. To discern both good and bad. Both good and bad. Meaning that they live according to the spirit. They do things as the spirit leads, not as their mind pleases or as they, they, they decide in their minds. If you go to America, I mean, homosexuality is good. It's nothing. Do you know that just about two weeks ago, there was a bill that was signed into law in New York that you can abort a baby even up to the ninth month. Even up to the ninth month, like the baby has been there nine months. As you are going, I don't like the baby again. They can just cut, cut the baby and then throw the baby out. Yes. And they were signing the bill happily. The governor was signing it happily. People around, they're all happy, signing the bill into law. It is good for them. But is it good for, for God? It's not good in God's eyes. But they have made it so you can create good. Man can create his own type of good. That is why you have to be able to discern both good and bad. Because they are one. Good and bad are one, actually. I see what I'm talking about. Since this is both, so spiritual development is your ability to be able to discern both of them. Both of them. Is it good to give someone on the road money? Is it good to give someone on the road money? Someone came to beg you for money. So you gave him 10 CDs. Is it a good thing? Now, fast forward some few hours after you've given the money to him. If the person uses to buy uh, crack cocaine and sniffs it and dies, was it a good thing that you did? How did he die? He died because of your money. 
of your good. Your good led him to kill himself. <laughs> to discern both good and evil. Okay? Look at the next verse. Let's continue. Are you seeing it? Then he says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. The same word, teleosis. teleosis. Perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Next verse. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Six of them. The first one is what? Repentance, foundation of repentance from dead works. Then faith towards God. Then doctrine of baptisms. Then laying on of hands. Then resurrections of the dead. And then eternal judgment. Six things. He says these six things are the foundation. These six things are the alpha and the alphabets of divine revelation concerning Christ. These six things are the utterance, the beginning of the utterance of God. Are you seeing it? Then he says, and this will we do if God permits. Next verse. He says, and this will we do if God permits. Finally, God has permitted, so we are going to do it. Hallelujah. So let's pick the first one. Can we pick the first one? The first one is what? From verse 1. Read it to me. One to go. So the first one is the foundation of repentance from dead works. The foundation of repentance from dead works. So even though they are all foundational, this one is a foundation of the foundational. I sing it. Uh, but uh, the West Foundation is Temelius. Okay? It means the start of a building. Okay? However, go to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3, 11. However, the actual foundation upon which every building is built is Christ. So this foundation does not replace the foundation of Christ. Because all that is writing here is to, if, if you notice, it's with reference to Christians. I realize he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. Now, who is a Christian? A Christian is one who has started out in Christ. So Christ is the foundation. The actual foundation. He's a stone that cannot be rejected. This Paul talking is just for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. Which is Christ Jesus. Have you seen it? Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16. So Christ, Isaiah 28 16. Christ is the foundation upon which all these principles are built. Don't mistake that for anything. It says, therefore, that says the Lord God. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. So the whole of Zion is, has a foundation. And that foundation is a stone. It says, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make his. Who is that sure stone? Who is that sure foundation? Christ is that sure stone and that sure foundation. That is why Jesus told Peter that this, he asked them, who do you think that, who do men say that the son of man is? They said, you are, some say you are Elijah, some say you are this, some say you are that. Then he said, but who do you say that I am? Then Peter lifted his hands and said that, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus said that, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Okay? But my father, who has revealed it to you, my father which is seven, he has revealed this to you. Then he says that, and I say unto you, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, thou art Peter, upon this rock, which rock? The rock is the revelation that Peter gave. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Upon this rock, upon the, 
the rock, the, 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 the revelation you give upon Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Just I say unto you, thou art Peter. The word Peter is a small stone. You are a small stone and I'm going to plant you on this stone of the revelation that you have given. So Peter is not the foundation of the church. Peter is not the rock of the church. Peter is a small rock. Petros, eh? small rock. It means a small rock upon a bigger rock. And that bigger rock is Christ. <laughs> I'll build my church upon this revelation. That is Christ. That is why in 1 Corinthians 3, 11, he says that for other foundations... Look, let's read from verse 10. From verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me... This is Paul talking. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builder thereon. But let every man take heed how he builded thereupon. Then he says, for other foundation can no man lay. No man. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He's that sure foundation. I sing it. Uh huh. So what we are talking about are foundations on that foundation. It's not the main. It's not the main. Thing. The main thing is Christ. So it's this is a, a, a teaching concerning the first principles of that sure foundation, Christ. That's why it's called the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. So Christ is the doctrine, and these are things that hail from Christ. I hope you understand. These are the first principles, the alpha and the alphabet of what heals. To understand the language of God, you need to understand these things. Praise the Lord. So, he says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. The foundation, in, in other versions, if you check your, your Bible very well, if you have Greek and those things. You realize that there's no translation for there. It's just Temelius foundation. They don't, they don't translate there. Have you realized? It's, the foundation is one word, Temelius. Uh-huh. Because the there is not, there's actually a foundation on that foundation that I've told you already. Okay? So the foundation of repentance from dead words. So what is, what is repentance? Let's examine the word repentance for a little bit, okay? The word repentance is from the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia. It's spelled M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Repentance, what? Metanoia. M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. From two words. Two words. The first one is meta, which means change. Okay? Change. Change. Say change. change. And the other one is noia. N-O-I-A. N-O-I-A. So from metanoia is from two words. Repentance is from this word. Meta- there are several words for, met- for repentance. I'll show you. But this is the key thing. I want us to focus on this so that we don't take too much time. Okay? Repentance. Say repentance. Metanoia. M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. If you hear someone say metanoia, you should know what it is. It means repentance. And it means a change of mind because it's from two words, meta and then noia. Meta spells it for you, M-E-T-A, and then noia is N-O-I-A. Noia is from a Greek word, nous, which means mind. Okay? Nous, which means what? Mind. So when we say repentance, when we say someone has repented, what we mean is that he has changed his mind. 
He has had a change of mind. A change of what? Mind. A change of mind. Repentance is metanoia. It means a change of mind. There are different words. There's a metamelotus and an a metamelomai. Okay? I'll show you all those ones. But this is the main one I want you to see. Metanoia. Or metanaus. Okay? Metanaus is the same thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Repentance, change of mind. Say change of mind. mind. Say it again, change of mind. mind. Now, what are we talking about? Are we we talking about repentance? He says repentance from dead works, not repentance from sin. There's repentance from sin, which is needed for someone to come into Christ. But that's what we are talking about. We are talking about repentance. So, like I said, he's writing this to Christians. Christians, he's not talking about repentance from sin. You repented from sin the day you became born again. You rep- What's sin? What sin is he talking about? There are two types of sins. There's a sin that leads to death and a sin that does not lead to death. The sin that leads to death is the sin that Adam committed, which is in every man who is born of a woman. If you are born of a woman, that sin is inside you. The only one who did not have that was Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who did not have that type of sin in him because his father was not Joseph. His father was not a man called Joseph. Uh, Joseph was not his father. God was the father of Jesus. The seed that fertilized the eggs of, of, uh, of uh, Mary was from the Holy Spirit. So Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says that. Look at Matthew 1 18. Sometimes you say, pastor can quote scriptures. He can remember scriptures. I've learned. I have learned them. You to learn. Do you understand? Stop saying that it's a gift. <laughs> Stop saying that. It's not a gift. There's a gift aspect to it, but I learned it. That is why I can remember. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found a child of the Holy Ghost. She was found a child of the, the Holy Ghost had impregnated Mary. Hallelujah. That is why Jesus was not, did not have sin in him. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that, for he was made sin. Who knew no sin? He didn't have any access. He didn't know sin at all. But he was made sin. Who knew no sin? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Have you seen it? He was made sin. He didn't know sin. He didn't have sin in him. He didn't know sin at all. Because he was not born of a woman. But anybody who is born of a woman has sin in him and needs to change his mind concerning that particular sin. So that he starts following the devil and starts following Christ. Now, and that is is part of the package that Jesus brings with him. So repentance is a gift. Repentance from sin is a gift from God. Look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, let's read verse 31. This is after the death and resurrection of Christ. Peter is preaching. And he says something very powerful. He says, him, he's talking about Jesus. Let's read from verse 30 so we understand even some more. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand. To be a prince and a savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then it says, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. To give repentance. He rose from the dead so that he will give repentance. So he's a giver of repentance. The repentance, for a man to be able to say that he has changed and that he's going to follow the Lord, he must be given repentance. Repentance is a gift given to him by Jesus Christ. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now you must understand how how this particular giving, the word give there is didomai. 
Okay? What it means is that uh, if I'm giving this to my wife, please come and let's, let's demonstrate it for them. I have this gift. And I'm giving it to my wife. Don't take it yet. If she's not taking it, has she received what I'm giving to her? Am I giving it? On my part, I am giving it, isn't it? But on her part, she's not receiving it. So repentance is a gift from God. God's hand is outstretched for the whole world. From the day Jesus died till date, his hands are outstretched concerning salvation. Now it is the man's responsibility to take it. Now he can take it. After she has taken it, it means that I have given and she has received. So there's the giving and the receiving aspect of repentance from sin. Do you understand? Repentance is given, but the man must accept it. A change of mind is given. The word repentance means what? Change of mind. A change of, this is the same word, metanoia. A change of mind is given to you for repentance from sin. But if you don't receive it, you will still remain in your sin and you die and go to hell. Thank you very much. Let's give a round of applause. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 11 verse 18. A similar thing is said there concerning repentance. This, this had to do with um, um, uh, Cornelius and his household. The first one we saw is with reference to the Jews, isn't it? Uh, it is not only the Jews that are giving repentance from sin. Everybody, the Gentiles also granted repentance from sin. Just like it's given to the Jews. So in this place, he says, when they heard these things, Peter was explaining what had happened in the house of Cornelius. How that as he preached, Acts chapter 10 verse 44, the Bible says, as Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard. The Holy Ghost just fell on them as they heard the word. So Peter was explaining. The Jews were not happy. The Jews who were born again were not happy. Ah, why is it that you have gone into the house of a Gentile? Gentiles, Jews are not supposed to even eat with Gentiles or sit with Gentiles or even talk to Gentiles. How come you went to a Gentile's house to sit there, eat with him, and then even pray for him? And Peter explained. They were going to beat Peter for doing that. Peter had to explain himself that, hey, it's not because I wanted to go, but God sent me there. And when I went and I preached to them, they received Salvation like we received. So it says, when they heard these things, when the Jews heard these things, the Jews who were born again heard these things, they held their peace. They became calm. And glorified God, saying, then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. God has granted them repentance unto life. Are you seeing it? Uh -huh. So there's that repentance. Repentance from sin. Repentance unto life. Which is different from the repentance from dead works that we are talking about. Repentance from dead works is completely different. Now that you have repented, okay, from sin and have repented unto life, which makes you born again. Now that you are born again in Christ, there's another form of repentance in Christ, which is called repentance from dead works. Changing your mind concerning dead works. Say dead works. If they are dead works, then it means that they are life works. Isn't it? If they are dead works, it means that they are life works. The word dead, dead is necros, N-E-K-R-O-S. It means lifeless. It means things that do not originate from God. Necros, N-E-K-R-O-S. Say necros. N-E-K-R-O-S. It means what? Lifeless. It means works not initiated by God. Works that are not initiated by God or by the life of God. Works that are not initiated by God or by the life of God. So now that you are born again, you must learn to live your life 
you have to learn to live your life from the life of God that is inside you, from eternal life that is inside you. Remember the day you became born again, the Holy Spirit was involved in your born again experience. You have received the Holy Spirit into your life. The Holy Spirit is not in your life for nothing. The Holy Spirit is in your life for something. The Holy Spirit is the one that you call something all the time. You say, something told me. Ah, I shouldn't have done this. Something told me I shouldn't do it. That something there is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is there in your life to help you mature. He's the engine for your growth as a child of God. And the first thing that will limit your growth is dead works. Dead works. Lifeless works. Works that are not from the life of God that is in you. Works that are not from eternal life in you. Works that are not from the Holy Spirit who is inside you. Who is the spirit of life. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let's read from verse 14. Now, I mentioned dead works, right? I've explained, I've defined the word dead for you. I'll ask you questions on it. That's why I, I, I'm saying this one, this one. This one means this. This one means this. This one means this. This one means this. It's intentional because I'll be asking you questions. What is the meaning of necros? A. Footworks. B. What? Metalworks. C. Dead works. D. Heavenly works. Dead man. Choose the right answer. Are you in the church? Yeah. I see someone choosing dead man as a. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, dead works. Dead works. Lifeless works. The word works, the Greek is egon. E R G O N. Egon. It means occupation, it means employment, it means that which you are occupied with. When you come into God, when you come into Christ, now that you are born again, you are exposed every single thing you do represents your works. Okay? It represents your works. Every single thing that you do. Your words, your, your movements, your thought processes, everything about you form your works. They all come together to form your works. Now, I've preached on my work, my work, my faithfulness, isn't it? You work with your hands. How many of you work with your legs? Apart from footballers, most of us don't work with our legs. Most of us work with our hands. Our hands is what brings us money. Isn't it? In the same way in Christ, your hands also do something in Christ. It represents your works. Okay? Your works. Now, your works must be dictated not by what you think, but by what the life of God in you says and by what the Holy Spirit within you sees. You remember I was talking about good and evil? Uh -huh. Now, what will cause you to not give the man the money? The man who used the 10 cities to go and smoke and die. Now, if you give, you did, a, you did a good thing. But you realize that in heaven, that good will not represent, it will not come as good. It will come as a dead work. Because of what it did. Probably when you were going to give the money to him, you had a prompting from within. Don't give it to him. And you went against that prompting and gave it to him. That is what I'm talking about. Because you went against that prompting from within to give it to him, what you have done is a dead work. Because I've showed you the end now. I've showed you. Now you know the end. Live by the Spirit. So, for Romans chapter 8, verse 14, look at it very carefully, okay? This for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Have you seen it? The word sons there is not the same as the word babe in 1 Peter 2 2, when I, where I mentioned. Okay? And it's not the same word for son 
in the next, go down, go to verse 16. Verse 16. Children here, it says, the spirit of in itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What's the word children there? It's technion, isn't it? Check for me. Check for me. I want you to check. It's technion, right? It's not the same as the one over there. The first one is heos. It means one who is coming on to sonship. Okay? Which is coming to the completion of his development. The other one is technion, a child who is growing. A young boy. An offspring. Someone who comes from, like, you, you're, we just belong to God. We are identified with God because he has given birth to us. But the, this one has to do with you coming to a place where you are being led by the Spirit. Like, the Spirit of God teaches you what to do, and you do what he tells you to do. So, dead works, to prevent dead works, you need to respond more to the life of God that is inside you. You need to respond more to the Holy Spirit that is inside you. The Holy Spirit inside us teaches us all things. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. Look at 1 John 2, 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One. And then he says, you know all things. You know all things because you have an unction from the Holy One. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? Go to verse 27. Same book, same chapter, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abided in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as that same anointing teaches you of all things, and it's truth and it's no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. What is he saying? What, is he saying that you don't need anybody to teach you from outside? No. He's not talking about what I'm doing now. We need to be taught the word of God. However, there's the Holy Spirit inside who teaches us all things. He teaches us what to do. He tells you what to do. What decisions to make. You don't just carry yourself. I want to go and learn in America. All your learning in America may be a dead work. All of it. All, it's useless. Completely useless. And it will not mean anything for God. Yes, wasted. You saw a lady, a beautiful lady. You liked her, so you went to propose. And then you started going out with her. Because she's nice. I like her. All your life along that line is useless. And it's the first thing God wants you to understand in Christ. That, listen, you have to walk well. Don't just walk anyway. Walk well. Walk according to the life of God that is inside you. Walk according to your spirit, the recreated human spirit that is inside you. Because the Holy Spirit is in there. What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of that man which is in him. The Holy Ghost is inside. He teaches you all things. If you go against it, dead works are coming. You are working dead works. I see it. Your decisions, your, the way you spend your time, how you live, how you talk, how you think. Sometimes you're going to say something, the Holy Spirit says, don't say it. Yeah. Don't say it. Because what you're going to say is going to cause a commotion in, in a lot of people's lives. It's going to destroy a lot of things. He'll tell you, don't say it. Then you say it. Dead work. So immediately when you said it, it looked like it was a nice thing. Sometimes you're going to even rebuke somebody. Yeah. That's what God will tell you, don't rebuke him. Not yet. And then you go ahead. Who do you think you are? The person repents there, then, then. But it does a lot of damage to the person. You, the one who said it, you have worked the dead work because the Holy Spirit was preventing you. You didn't, you didn't prevent. You just continued. Dead work. Sometimes you tell you, rebuke the person. And you withhold yourself from rebuking the person. That's one, two. Dead works. It's a foundation. It's a, it says, change your mind. Have a change of mind concerning dead works. 
have a change of mind. Change your mind that from now onwards, I'm going to live by the Spirit of God that is inside me and live by the life of God that is inside me. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. Look at the next verse, that same place. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 now. Verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then verse 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. He's called the spirit of what? Adoption. What does it mean, adoption? The word adoption is euthasia. It means the bringing on to sons. He's the spirit that brings you to sonship. Hmm? If go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, 4 and 5. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Next verse. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The choosing of God has chosen you to stand before him holy on that day. Without blame. Before him in love. He doesn't want you to have blame on that day. Because on that day some people will have blame because of their works. Because of what they did. Because of what they said. Because of what they thought. Because of what they be, how they behaved. Are you seeing it? Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Have you seen it? Same word is coming here. He's not talking about the civil adoption we have in, in this country. Where someone is not your child, then you adopt the child. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being born again and being raised. He's talking about bringing someone you have given birth to, to his birthright. That's why birth is not the same as birthright. You are born into a, into a king's house as a prince. But there's a day, and that's glory. You are a prince. But there's a day coming when a crown will be put on your head to make you king. Now, before you are set as king, you need to be trained. There's a training for kingship. Okay? David had several sons, isn't it? He had Absalom as a son, Amnon, Adonijah, and other sons. Where other sons were not mentioned. And he had Solomon as a son. David had at least 12 sons. Yeah, at least 12 sons. Even 16, I think. Many. But only Solomon was chosen to be trained to be king. The art of choosing Solomon to be trained to be king is called adoption. Okay? Adoption. And that means the Greek word is euthasia. To raise the person to become a king. So God wants to raise us to become kings, to reign and rule with him in the next life. We are kings now, but there's a coming reigning that God wants us to reign. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Now, how are you going to be able to reign? You reign only by responding to the one who is the teacher. Everyone is given a teacher. Every king, every child who's going to raise to be, become a king is given a teacher to teach him what it means to exhibit king, kingly roles, to perform kingly roles and exhibit king, kingly rights and responsibilities and kingly authority. Every child is given, who is going to be a king is given someone to train. The one who is training us is the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of adoption. And you must learn to respond to him. So he's the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit for nothing. The Holy Spirit is in your life to raise you. Who has, ever, who has ever had the Holy Spirit talking to him before? The Holy Spirit talks to us every day. The Holy Spirit is talking to us. He will talk to you about your hairstyle. He will talk to you about how to, how to keep yourself. He will talk to you about... And all the things that he's saying to you, if you obey, is life works. If you don't obey, it's dead works. As simple as ABCD.
Sometimes you, and he, he does that through his word. The word of God is a guide. Don't say the Holy Spirit told me to go and fornicate. I mean. We are there, he just slaps somebody. Pa, why do you slap me? The Holy Spirit told me to slap you. There's something wrong with you. We don't know which Holy, it's not to say, it's an evil spirit. It's not, it's a spirit, but it is not, it's definitely not the Holy One. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Responding to the Holy Ghost from within. Responding to the life of God from within. Letting the life of God have free course in your life is what makes you work good works, or rather life works, not bad works. I hope it's clear. It's very simple. It's not complicated at all. At all. So what does the life of God teach you? What does the word of God teach you to do? Okay? At that particular moment. How you respond in anger. Someone did something to you and you responded in anger when you were supposed to respond in niceness. You've worked a dead work instead of a life work. Sometimes you were supposed to be angry and you didn't get angry. Yes. The Bible says be angry and sin not. There are days when you're supposed to be angry. You are supposed to have been angry. You didn't move according to the life of God. It's a very serious thing. And that is the first thing. That is the first thing. That's the first thing we need to learn. Learning to live our lives from within. From within. Because, you see, our works are in three categories. Let me show it to you. First Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 11. We were reading from verse 11 some time ago. First Corinthians 3, 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, you remember the foundation, Christ. It says you can build upon that foundation gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. All the wood, the hay, the stubble are dead works. They are works that will not last. They are dead, lifeless. There's no life in it. What happens to wood when it goes to fire? Hay, stubble, it will burn. They all burn. What happens to gold if it goes to fire? It's refined because it's a life work. How about silver? It's refined. It's a life work. How about precious stones? It, is, it, is, it shines brighter because it was born out of fire. Are you seeing it? So as a child of God, every time you are moving around, you are either building with gold, building with silver, or building with precious stones. Or you are building with wood, hay, and stubble. Look at the next verse. Every man's work, because that is our work. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. The day of the Lord shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. It shall be revealed. Our works which are hidden in our spirits will be revealed on that day. How will it be revealed? We will pass through fire. If you, are, if you pass through the fire, then it is revealed. All the good works or all the life works will come forth. All the dead works will be bent and you'll be left with only the life works. It says, it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try Every man's work. Have you seen? He's talking about work. Every man's work. Of what sort it is. Of what sort. What manner. What sort it is. Next verse. If a man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So we'll talk about how that your works are related to your rewards. It's clear here. When we are talking about eternal judgment, we'll talk about it. Next verse. Verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. 
So all dead works will not get into eternity. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Because we all pass through the fire. Some will be bent small. Hallelujah. So that's, that's, that's life works. Responding to the life of God. Okay? What is good? What is good? What is good? The, the life of God in us. Eternal, you see, we've received, we've received eternal life. The day you became born again, you received eternal life into your spirit. Okay? For God so loved the world. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That is why he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not what? Should not perish but have the day you became born again, you received something called everlasting life. Everlasting life has to do with bringing you to eternity. Okay? There's a slight difference between everlasting life and eternal life. But eternal life is embedded in everlasting life. You are brought into eternity and you are given the life of God. You receive the life of God into your spirit. First John, look at First John chapter 5, verse 11. First John 5. Verse 11. It says, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Have you seen it? God, this is the record. God has given us eternal life. He is not going to give it to us. He has given us eternal life. Look at the next verse. He that has the son has life. And he that has not the son of God has not life. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you. That believe on the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You may know. You must know that you have, you have eternal life. And eternal life, you see, what do we mean by eternal life? There's plant life. Do you know there's plant life? Plant life is what makes the plants plants. And makes them produce the fruits they produce. Have you seen a lion producing fruits before? As a lion is moving and it draws. And the mango starts coming out. There's nothing like that because the life of a lion, the life of animals is different from the life of plants. The plant's life is different from the animal life. It's different from the animal life. It's not the same. In the same way, the human life is different from the animal life. The human life is what makes us walk straight and think the way we think and talk and relate and be social on the level of, upon which we are. Our social life is different from the social life of monkeys. It's not the same. We are different. Because our lives are different. That is why they are homo, but they are not sapiens. They are not of the same species. We are of the same class, but we are not of the same species. You remember kingdom, phylum, class, and those things. Do you remember? <laughs> when you belong to the same species, that is when you can reproduce. Your, your life is the same. It differentiates that we can belong, we all belong to the kingdom of Himalaya, but we don't belong to the same species. We are Homo sapiens, they are Homo something else. So we have the same name, Homo, but the other side is not the same. Phylum what? Cordata. Yeah. All those things, yes. You've forgotten your biology. <laughs> now, well, I, I said all that to let you know this, okay? The life of God, eternal life, is God's life. It's what makes God, God. It's God's quality, nature. What makes him God? Now, when you become born again, that life is what is imparted to you. So you begin to live the life of God. You stop living the normal human life. There's a human life. 
The human life functions according to what it sees. What it feels. What it can feel around him. But the life of God functions by something called faith. It doesn't see things before it believes. Yeah. So we've received the life of God. Now, that life lives itself in a certain way. Okay, it has a way it relates. Now, the life of God is represented with gold in the Old Testament. Everything that had God coming upon it had to be made of gold because gold represented the divine life. So the day you became born again, you received the divine life and that life is gold inside you. It's inside. Now, if you work a work out of that divine life, it forms, it, your work becomes gold. The divine life is, uh, covers that work and makes that work divine, makes that work of gold. I see it. Now, what, what do we mean? The divine life of God in us has its fruits. So if you read in Galatians chapter 5, verse what? 22. Okay? He talks about the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the... He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the fruits of the... The Holy Spirit does not bear fruits. We bear fruits. We produce. There are things that the life in us produces. We are the branches of the vine. The, the vine is Christ. We are the branches. So we bear the fruits. Are you seeing it? Yeah. So it says, but the fruits of the Spirit is love. Is love. So, when something is happening, you respond in love. What is love? Love is kind. Love is patient. Isn't it? Someone slapped you. What did Jesus say if someone slaps you? Turn to the other cheek for the, other person, for the person to slap you. When the person slapped you and you allowed your natural self to respond immediately with another slap. Pa, pa. You slapped twice. Pa, pa. Don't you say, When you finish everything, after you have allowed yourself, yourself animals to come. Your animal life to come. After that, when you sit down, know that you have worked the dead work. And so that opportunity. Now, dead work will be bent. It will, not, it will not destroy you. It will be bent. Meaning that the opportunity you had to receive a work of gold is gone. Do you understand? What about cat? Sort of. You are not going to die. You've just lost something. Now, someone may slap you, pa! And then you stand there. And then you say, I'm forgiving you. Then you go to your room, hold the pillow and shout, You and you and the one who responded with a slap are on the same level. You have worked. <laughs> you have you have all worked a dead work. You didn't respond on that because dead work is start is from is from within and without. It's like muddy water. A muddy water that has settled, and a muddy water that is mixed is still the same. It's still the same muddy water. The value is the same. You have, you have, are you realize that's like Charlie, 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 Charlie. <laughs> so you, you have to start becoming, it says change your mind concerning dead work. Like now you have to be very conscious. I've changed my mind. Hey, I've changed my mind concerning this thing. 
I'll watch how I talk. I'll watch how I react. I'll watch my responses. I'll let the life of God in me come out some more. Remember, we are called to demonstrate the life. There's a reward for it. If you demonstrate the life, there's a reward for it. First Peter chapter, chapter 2, verse 9. First Peter 2, 9. Remember this. Don't forget it, okay? But dear chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises. We are to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's look at the Amplified. But you were chosen race, a royal priest, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds. What is deeds? Doings. The wonderful doings. The wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of God who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. So our job is to display God's virtues. It's to display God's excellence. To display God's doings. What happened when Jesus was being crucified? He didn't say, you people, you will see what I will do to you. When I resurrect, you, you are not part. 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 That was a life of God hanging on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was what he said. You think it's only God who can do that. Stephen being stoned, when he was being stoned, said, God, do not count it against them. Do not count this sin against them. What do you do when someone does something to you? Allah! You call Allah because you know that you can't say God. You can't say Jesus. You call Allah because some wickedness is coming forth. Allah, I will never forgive this person. I swear God, you will see. You think because I'm cool, you can do whatever you want to do. You have hurts. I'm putting God aside. You will see what I'll do to you. <laughs> now, that does not mean that you shouldn't also react when you're supposed to react as being led by the Spirit of God. Because this same Jesus who was hanging on the cross and said that when he went to the temple and saw people selling in the church, he came in like this, saw them selling in the church and said, Ha! You don't respect that? Okay. He went outside and went to make canes. Not one cane, not two. He made plenty canes. And came with some behind him. And some was inside the sheds behind him. He shipped them and threw their everything away and then he removed the other same guy, he didn't say father, forgive them he didn't say that at that time he reacted, he acted you see, so it's like one person acting in a certain way here and acting another way here, why? because of the leading of the spirit the leading of the spirit at what is needed at that time there's a time when you are not supposed to be nice you are supposed to be hard you must find out from the Spirit. The Spirit of God must show you what to do. So your emotions must become the emotions of God. You react the way God would react at that particular moment. Then you work the life of God. You are working divinity. Divine life has to do with your character. Christians have bad character sometimes. You have bad Christians who have very bad character. They just get angry anyhow. They can insult anybody. They can just... They, can, they are Christians who are frosters. They are Christians who are wicked people. They are wicked people. Yeah. There was news concerning a certain woman whose uh, stepson has had the hand amputated. If you go in, you realize that she goes to church. The woman goes to church. You'd be surprised. She goes to church. We are in a Christian nation. 75% of the country is Christian. So who are the ones doing all the evil things? It's because of... They, they don't know this. They don't know that my life is supposed to demonstrate God. We demonstrate the life of God. Yeah. 
the boy's hand was cut with a cutlass and she left it and didn't mind the boy because the boy is not her son. Someone else's son. She's married to the boy's father, so he doesn't care. The boy will cry throughout the day. The father will come in the night and think that everything is fine because the boy will be sleeping. The boy's hands got, the whole thing got rotten up to this point and had to be taken off. Can a Christian sit down and watch that? Yes, emphatically yes. If that Christian does not allow the life of God in him to come out, he can do very wicked things. We have had Christians who are very wicked. What they do to their, what they do to their, uh, uh, the people who work with them shows. Sometimes you start criticizing the president. Oh, if I were the president, I would have done this. Why did the president do this? Check how you are treating those who are around you. You will see what you will do when you have that kind of authority. You will see yourself. So gold is the life of God, letting the life of God come out. You see, reacting according to the leading of the spirit. What, will I, what, sh- what should I do? You see? And without the word of God, you can't have that. So that's why you must put the word of God in. The more you put the word of God in, the more it guides you. The more it leads you in what you're doing. Your speech, your thoughts, your actions are all guided. You don't just think anyhow. You don't just talk anyhow. You don't just act anyhow. You don't just go anywhere. You don't just decide, I'm going here. No, you, you allow the Son of God to show you what to do. I'm angry. A lot of people have left churches because they were angry. They are Christians, but anger has taken over their lives. Anger has taken over their lives. They are angry. Their faces are like this. When you ask them, what, what is wrong with your face? Why? Is this how I look? This is how my face is. No, how can your face be looking like this? Hallelujah. Yeah, so letting the life of God come out. Then silver, silver represents redemption. Okay? Redemption. When Israel uh, was being counted, they had to pay silver coins because it was their redemption. It was a sign of their redemption. So silver represents redemption. Do you see? Redemption. So works that along the lines of silver is doing things that brings redemption to people, brings people to Christ. And raises them. So all the things we do. What I'm doing now. I'm working works of silver for myself. You should be competing with me to preach. On Sunday mornings. Not here. It's another place. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're a pastor and you're not preaching. You should be worried. If you're a church member and you're not preaching to anybody in the course of the week. You should be worried. Because you don't have any work. Along the lines of silver. No work. Zero work. You are lacking in divine, in gold. You are also lacking very much in silver. Very, very much in silver. Because nothing concerning your life, the whole week, nothing concerning your life has done anything for anybody. Your life has not raised somebody in Christ in a, to a certain degree. Your life has not saved anybody. Your life has not brought anybody to Christ. Your life has not raised anybody in Christ. There are two things we are supposed to do as children of God. The first thing is to lead many to Christ. First Timothy 2, 3 and 4. First Timothy. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Next verse. Who will? God wills that all men come, all men be saved. God wills that all men be saved. And that all men will come unto the knowledge of the truth. These two things, these are the two things God is looking for. That is why Christ came to die. Christ came to die so that all men will be saved. Not only that, so that all men will come to the knowledge of the truth, the full knowledge of the truth. Now, our lives must be involved in working these things. So when you walk to somebody's door and knock it, or when you preach in a bus and lead people to Christ, even if nobody was led to Christ, the art of preaching to 
people to people. Works as you are doing that. Silver is being you are working, you are doing a work of silver. That thing that you are doing will last till, till eternity. As you preach to somebody to raise a person in the Lord, as you do that, sometimes you have people coming to bring you to church, going all, all those things that they are doing, they are working works of silver, they are doing what matters most. The first one is along the lines of your character, your life. The other one has to do with your works, things that you are doing. It's all part of your works, things that you are doing. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? Sometimes the Holy Ghost will prompt you, preach the person in the bus. That is when you shut your mouth even some more. No talking. You look in a different direction. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. Talk to this person. Say something in the bus. He's depending on your mouth to save somebody. Angels are not the ones designed to preach the gospel. We are the ones designed to preach the gospel. And there are rewards for it. Works of silver. Anything you do in the house of God. That brings salvation. Or that increase. Salvation is in different categories. I have told you. Either eternal salvation or solical salvation is good. Solical salvation is perfect. All those who clean the place. You should be wanting to clean the place. Every time you come, the seat is clean, you sit on. You have to ask yourself, how is it cleaned? How is it cleaned? I must get involved. I must become something. Working in a department is silver. You are working silver in your, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your life. No dead works. Life works. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And the last one is precious stones. Precious stones has to do with things that you go through because of Jesus Christ. There are things that are left behind in the sufferings of Christ. Okay, in trying to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, there's suffering. You will suffer at one point in time or the other. There are Christians who don't want to suffer. It's a lie. You will suffer. The Bible says that all those who live godly in Christ will go through what? Persecution. Everybody who would want to live for the Lord will be persecuted. And it starts from when you decide that I want to live for the Lord. When you decide that you want to live for the Lord, your friends start smoking you. When you carry a Bible to church, they start calling you also. Also, Hey, you don't go to church. They will go to club on Saturday night. Sunday, they'll come on Sunday dawn. And you wake up at 8 a.m. and be in church. They wake up and they start laughing at you. <laughs> See, Charlie, this be, this be life for you for chelo, man for chelo. And you neglect them and you come. As you have neglected them and come, even though they are insulting and doing all kinds of things, because of what you have done, you are working precious stones. Those things are very precious to God. God doesn't joke with them. They are very precious to God. Very, very precious. It gets to a point your parents start fighting you. Why are you always in church? What kind of church are you in? How is it that when you go to the church, you don't close? You're always in the church. You stay in the church till 9 p.m. Why is it that this is one man church? My, the church that is, I'm older than, I can't attend. You are older than the church. And you still say, I'm going to go. Because where you were going before, you weren't serious with them. As you were hearing what they were saying, you, were, you couldn't hear what they were saying. Now you're in a place where you are hearing the word. As soon as that starts happening, you are, they start fighting you. People start fighting you. Different level. Your parents will start fighting you. Your brothers will start fighting you. Your sisters will start fighting you. Start criticizing you. Your friends. Oh, going through that. It's painful. You go through that. You lose some friends. You lose some people around you. It's very painful. All that you are working, precious stones. Precious stones. Precious stones. They are, go, to, go to Colossians chapter 1. Let's read verse 25. No, let's read 27. So we don't read much. Okay? 
that which is left behind in the sufferings of Christ. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor striving according to the working which worketh in me mightily. Very powerful. But 25. 25 is what I want to show to you. 24. Go to 24. Let's shift 23 so that it makes more sense. Okay? If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul says, I'm made a minister because of preaching. Next verse. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you? I rejoice in my sufferings for you. He was suffering, but he says, I'm rejoicing in the suffering. Because of the gospel, he was shipwrecked. He was in two ships that crashed, and he was in the, de- he was in the sea, middle of the sea. Like that. All because of the gospel. Suffering because, not because he wants to suffer. The guy was a medical, was a doctor of the law. Not a medical doctor, he was a doctor of the law. But he subjected himself to sufferings. Read about his exploits in suffering. In 2 Corinthians 11, you see it. He was beaten many times because of the gospel. All those beatings are his works of precious stones. Not dead works, those are precious stones. It's precious to God. It's so precious to God that your scars because of ministry are kept. Jesus' The imprints in his hands eh, and on his feet and on his side are all there. The beatings that they give to Jesus on his back are all there. All the, the, the lashes, the stripes are all there. That's why I says that by his stripes we are healed. It's still there. Because on that day, those things are precious. They all be turned into precious stones. So when you see his back, it's all precious stones. You see his hands, precious stones. All the things Paul suffered, they are all precious stones. All the things you suffer because of Christ, it's all precious stones. They are suffering that are left behind. It says, for who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. Of the, the sufferings that are left of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. All those things that you suffer. I've had heartbreaks because of church. Plenty heartbreaks. Two days ago, I was asking God, why? I was angry with God two days ago. Of course, you know that that's foolishness, but sometimes you just want to bask in your foolishness a little bit. Paul said, leave me and let me bask in my foolishness. So me too, I told God, leave me and let me bask in my foolishness. Let me, let me tell you my peace of mind small. I bore you small. Yeah, I'm like, why is it that this project is taking so long? Is this for you? Why is it that I'm going up and down? I knew the answers, but I just had to. I knew my own answer, but I just wanted to talk to God. Yeah, you must do that sometimes. You must be vulnerable sometimes to God. Let God know that you are vulnerable to him. Yes. God told me, so it's for your own good. I'm working precious stones in your life. As you are moving up and down, going, it's not because of anything. It's because of my house. It's because of my kingdom. That's why you are doing that. You're suffering. Going through things. We were watching a video. I made the leaders watch a video concerning crossing borders. Bishop Dag's movement into various countries to preach the gospel and the frustrations they face. I mean, it is profitable to sit at your home and just relax. So Christians who pay for their comfort. All Christians who decide that they'll be comfortable and not do anything in the Lord will pay for it. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. All those who are saving their lives, they don't want to do some things. They don't want to clean the toilet. Cleaning toilets is nasty. It's over there. You clean it. There are people who clean it. When you go, it's always clean. Who's the one doing it? He's working precious stones. You don't know. You should be competing over there. Fighting, doing shadow kick. Hey, move away. Let me start the thing. Yes. Precious stones. Say precious stones. Precious stones. All the sufferings. All the sufferings. 
There are some ladies who will never marry some, some, some people because they are pastors. They will reject them because they heard that they were pastors. It's a suffering. It's a suffering. Some will say, I'm not going to marry you because you want to be a pastor. Don't worry. Let the person go. You have worked a precious stone in your life. So do you understand dead works? That's the, all these things. Are all, going against them is dead works. Going along the line God wants you to go is a work of life. Hallelujah. Next Sunday, when I start, I'll share the last portions of repentance from dead works. Okay? There are two very key things I'm supposed to say that I've not said. I want to say them to you, and then we'll close. Rise up on your feet, and then let's thank God. Have you learned anything at all? God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.